Good morning and welcome to episode 200 of the Morning Light Show. Wow, I've been anticipating getting to that number of show for quite some time and been talking about it to you, my listeners, about not only celebrating the fact that we've spent the last nine months together growing and learning and having some fun together, but also that this is going to be a turning point and an opportunity for the show to evolve into what's next. And I'm moving from the five-day-a-week format to a two-day-a-week format and planning to release episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays starting next week. And today's ending of this amazing era of the Morning Light Show, at least it's been amazing for me. And I just want to say thank you to you, my listeners, for being part of this awesome journey with me. I'm not going anywhere. We're just growing and evolving as we always do in life. And speaking of growing and evolving, we have on the show today, John Berghoff, who is my coach and mentor and now a good friend of mine. I met him back in December at the GoBundance Women's Event in San Diego and so impressed by how he facilitated that event and what transformation happened as a result of how he ran that group and who he is as a person because he's just an awesome human being with so much wisdom to share with the world. And every time we have a conversation, we come up with something insightful or at least just fun and enjoyable and lighthearted. So today's episode is going to be a conversation about purpose and goals, but in a way that you probably have never heard it before. So listen in for this conversation with John Berghoff. Welcome to the Morning Light Show. I'm your host, Adair Cates. This show will offer you insights and inspiration to free your spirit, open your heart, and start your day off light and bright. Good morning, listeners. I am so excited to have my coach and mentor and friend, John Berghoff, on the show today. And I wanted to tell everyone a little bit about how we met and briefly about the training that I did with John and his team at Flourishing Leader Institute, Leadership Institute. Which one is it, John? Yeah, you pick. It all sounds good. (laughs) Flourishing Leadership Institute. Fly. We go with FLI for short. Okay, great. Um, which is great because first lead you is also fly with a Y. There you go. Um, so I want to give everyone a little background on how we met. We had the privilege of coming together in San Diego at the GoBundance Women's Experience. I don't even know what we would call it, retreat. It was the first uh, gathering of the GoBundance Women's Tribe. And John facilitated, and I loved everything about how the group was facilitated because it just resonated so much with how I like to facilitate groups. And so in April, I got to spend more time with John and his team in Cleveland and learn all about appreciative inquiry and the LEAF version that FLI teaches in their training. And yeah, it was an awesome experience that's definitely changed a lot. It's changed how I do the podcast. I'm sure If you listen often to the podcast, you noticed I'm talking a lot more about the questions that we ask ourselves 
and it's changed the way I facilitate groups and also my one-on-one coaching as well. So I have you to thank for that, John. That's awesome, Adair. It's cool to hear. Yeah. And I'm so glad you're on the show. I wanted to have John on because he always has great perspective on many of the topics that I talk about. And we don't really know where the conversation is going to go because we just tend to you know, roll with it and ask good questions of each other. And we usually have something interesting to say that you might find useful, hopefully. And fingers crossed. we're just going to roll today. I've got a couple things that I wanted to kind of pick John's brain about. One of them is purpose and the other one is goal setting. And I've had personal shifts on both of those topics in the last 12 months, definitely since I've been doing the podcast. And yeah, let's just roll with that. But before we jump in, John, I want to get a little, I want to give our listeners a little bit more insight about who you are and what lights you up and some of the daily practices and routines that you use to stay aligned with your highest and greatest version of yourself. So just kind of answer that however you want to answer it. What are some of the practices and practical things that you do and maybe not so practical things that you keep yourself aligned? Yeah. Thanks for asking, Adair. Happy to talk about this. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure. So uh, starting with this last question about daily practices and keeping alignment. Um, so I am, uh, I am not necessarily a creature of routine or a, a regimented schedule, or I, I don't have a ton of regimented habits that uh, I would say start my day. I have certain practices that are just a big part of my world that happen pretty consistently. Um, spending time in nature is a big one for me. It's, uh, it's a source of connecting to maybe some sort of deeper wisdom uh, within myself. And it's a way of learning about the world through the intelligence that I think is hanging out in the woods. So um, you've actually been in town here for different meetings. You've been to my place that I go to almost every day. So uh, that's a regular practice for me. Um, I spend time Every day, it's not always at the same time, but I spend time every day. Sometimes it's what I'm doing in nature. Sometimes I'm out there just sitting still, but moving around. Um, It could be yoga. It could be swimming. It could be trail running, or it could be playing sports with my kids. Um, And uh, I spend time every day learning, thinking, reading. And, um, And there's probably other things I do, but those are the ones that come to mind. So I don't know where that could lead us, but those are a couple of the daily practices, I think. That's really good stuff. That's really good stuff. I got to spend like the whole weekend in nature and for this city dweller, it was uh, quite the experience. I loved it. And I grew up in that area that I was in and spent a lot of time there as a, as a child and even into my teenage years. And it was interesting to go back. I hadn't been back in a long time and Mm. to feel so like, I literally was like, I feel like I'm in my native habitat. This is like Mm -hmm. so cool. Um, And also to go to the top of the mountain and feel like scared because I haven't been in that space in so long. So that was, that was my recent experience in nature. And now I'm back in the city and doing all my city stuff. You know, it's cool about that observation, the native, your native habitat. Mm -hmm. I love that label there. Um, The, the ledges trail where I know you've been, Mm -hmm. uh, I've, we've brought several hundred entrepreneurs out on that trail to do different visioning and uh, drum circles and uh, different types of activities. And one of the things that we'll often do is ask these groups that we bring out there, like what's one word that comes to mind when you think about how you feel when you're in the middle of nature? 
and and the and the number one word that people share is home. They feel like I am home. And these are folks from all over the world. And it's just cool to hear that. The second most common word, by the way, is safe. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Home and safe. Oh, I love that. Interesting, awesome. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Native habitat. I like that. That's cool. Okay, cool. So speaking of feeling at home, I think there's a connection between purpose and feeling at home in our lives. Yeah. Because as weird as it sounds, I feel like some people feel like strangers in their own lives. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about your perspective on purpose and how how you view purpose and how you can see that as helping people to feel more, not just more at home, but more alive in their life. Yeah, this uh, this conversation, this topic and this conversation around the word purpose is, uh, it's pretty significant in, in my work and therefore in my life. And, um, you know, some of my more like, modern mentors around the area. There's a gentleman named Aaron Hurst, who his company Imperative is really the leading research firm, I think, in the world around uh, the role that purpose plays at work. And he's been a very close mentor and advisor to us at FLI for a number of years. But my, and I could share kind of what we're learning right now on a large yeah. scale, but my, my first experience with this question around purpose, and it, it's a big question. I, I, I've heard it said that uh, Rick Warren's book, The uh, Purpose Driven Life, or I can't remember what the title is, but it's all about purpose in our lives, is maybe the best selling book of all time. So it's, uh, and right up there also, Man's Search for Meaning, Viktor Frankl. So there's a, there's a common seeking that I think people have to find meaning, to find purpose in their lives. And I was first introduced to this, Adair. I was 17 years old and I was a young sales rep for the Cutco organization. And it was my second week on the job and I was at a, a conference and I, I'll never forget, I was sitting right in the front row and the, the closing keynote speaker in the middle of his message to motivate these, these young salespeople to go do their best for the summer while they had these summer jobs. He said, when the why is strong enough, the how will reveal itself. When the why is, in other words, when our sense of purpose or why we're doing what we're doing, when those reasons are strong enough, the how, in other words, how am I going to get this done? How am I going to do what maybe I didn't think was possible? Or how am I going to create the kinds of changes in my lives that I currently might feel like it's fighting against gravity? Like, but his point was when the why is strong enough, you just figure out how to get things done. And I'll always remember that moment in that lesson. I took it very literally. I actually had a piece of paper in my hand. And I, on one side of that piece of paper, I had all my goals in, in my life or my business at that time. And I, so I flipped it over and I wrote down, I think I was able to fit like 40 or 50 reasons why I wanted to be really successful, not only that summer, but just, I guess, in life. And, um, and, uh, and I can look back and say that was a pivotal moment for me in my life. And since then, the role of exploring purpose has only expanded. That's so great. Yeah. It's, it sounds like it's one of those moments that like you just have this mental picture of, and you can even imagine yourself being right there in that moment. Yeah, I can. I can. It's one that I've gone back to quite a few times. Yeah. So something I have talked about and um, forced people to do in the years of doing this work of you know self-mastery and self-discovery is to write a life purpose statement for themselves. And I have such mixed feelings about that. Part of mm. it is like, you know, this is cool. You should be 
thinking about like what's meaningful to you and aligning with that when you think about your goals, because I'm, I work with people a lot on setting intentions or goals for themselves. And kind of, like you said, the, the why behind that is so Mm -hmm. incredibly important. And I also always feel this like weird sensation when I force people to, in one sentence, talk about their Hmm. purpose for life. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, I think if anybody is asking themselves, you know, what's my purpose? Why am I here? Mm -hmm. I think the net result is going to be better than if we don't ask that question. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of ways to approach it. I do believe so to offer like an, an alternative contrarian approach to, what you presented, which by the way, is how it's often talked about. Mm -hmm. I actually think that the way that we address or approach this question around purpose, that it it sometimes leaves people um, maybe not where it was intended on bringing them to. And let me explain that. So uh, there's, uh, there's, I've mentioned Aaron Hurst earlier. And one of the things I've learned from him is that there's certain myths or misconceptions that their research has really picked apart around this idea of purpose. And the best way I can kind of unlock these for so it's practical is through the really simple parable of the bricklayer story that my guess is a number of your listeners have heard some version of this. But it's a really simple parable to remind us um, about that very moment when we ask that question, like, why am I here and what's my purpose, to realize that there are certain freedoms that we have in how we approach answering that question. So we, we, we find ourselves walking up upon three bricklayers and they're working side by side, literally doing exactly the same work. And they're all presented with the same question, right? In fact, let's just take your question. Like, hey, what is your purpose, right? Why are you doing- Why are you here? Yeah, why are you here? And um, in the first bricklayer, let's say this bricklayer says, well, I'm here because I got to pay the bills, right? And it's like, well, you can't, argue there's that's there's nothing right or wrong about anybody's answer and and it's a respectable answer it's understandable at least and then you go to the second bricklayer and immediately the answer from that bricklayer reveals something very interesting because again doing the same work presented the same question all of a sudden we start to wonder does purpose have to do with what we're doing or how we approach it because the second bricklayer says well i'm here because Um, I love building these walls, which is what we're doing as we lay these bricks right here, right? So all of a sudden you realize same work, same question, different answer. It starts to reveal a fundamental truth, I think, of this very topic. And then the third bricklayer, of course, if you've heard the parable, you know where this goes. Third bricklayer, same work, same question, completely different answer. Third bricklayer says, I'm here because we are building a cathedral and this cathedral will connect people to their highest source of spiritual creation or something along that line, right? And so now you realize something, right? You realize that, okay, when we ask questions about purpose, you know, and I think, Adair, that um, we can be well-intentioned when we try and invite conversations around purpose, but it it can be demoralizing if we invite somebody to think of purpose as a noun, as this thing that, that I, I, will, it, it, I will all of a sudden know what it is and now I'll know what it is. It's like I find it under a rock, I'm struck by lightning or a divine intervention and I'm not, I'm not discounting that it can happen in those ways. What I'm saying is when we think of it as this predestined, ordained thing that we're supposed to figure out or we don't, right? There's even a famous saying, the two most important days of my life are the day I was born and the day I figured out why. Mm, I, yeah, I think that I very, that yeah, I think that ends, I love that saying. But I actually think that it can be detrimental 
to think of purpose as this thing that I, I find. Because when I think of it that way, it's like it's something that I don't have and I've lost it. And when we think of something we don't have or we've lost, we create a lot of pressure, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah. when you go to that bricklayer story, there's two big lessons to learn. The first one I think is the biggest. And it's, um, it's realizing that in the moment when we present that question, because I think our questions can change our future before the answer arises, right? because it changes the lens through which we're going to look and see as we search for the answer. The moment we ask that question, each of those three bricklayers had total freedom of choice over how they answered it, right? There was nobody that was in their minds controlling um, how they chose to address that question. And so the, the practical application for any of your listeners, I would hope, is to realize that just learning to flex the muscle of asking, why am I doing what I'm doing right now? And realizing that as soon as you ask that, like if I'm a mother or I'm an entrepreneur or I'm a teacher, it just doesn't matter what I do. But when I ask that question, I have the freedom to play with the answer. I can be an architect, a designer, an engineer. I can craft and I can mold how I answer that question. And I could change the answer tomorrow if I want. It doesn't mean I don't find one that I want to settle in with for a while. But I think that's one of the big lessons to that little parable. The second one I dare just to, so I don't leave people hanging on it is um, there's an alternative ending to the parable. And the alternative ending is the, uh, the first bricklayer is listening to this podcast and says, hey, John, I don't actually agree with you. And I say, what do you mean? And the first bricklayer says, um, I did not have the freedom to answer it the way that third bricklayer did. And I say, really? Help me out. And the first bricklayer says, yeah. You know, I had never heard anybody say it that way before. And as soon as I heard the third bricklayer's answer, I realized I'm going to let that be mine. And so the first bricklayer taught me that there was a limitation to his or her answer to that question. It was the limitation of their own language because the limits of our language become the limits of our, of our worlds, really. So there is a lesson in that. Yeah. And that is, uh, be careful who we spend time around and what are the motivations and the reasons Ooh, and like purpose that. around other, that other people have in their lives because that'll eventually become ours. So if we want to be driven by motivations that are more noble or aspirational, then we need to study people and be around people that are driven by a sense of purpose that is noble and aspirational. So that's the second little lesson to that there. Oh, that's I don't know good. where I've this started, heard... but I, I hope that was it's helpful. great. I had never heard that twist on the, that second lesson there. So that was really good. I cool. really like that. Yeah. So the purpose question, I, I think what I'm hearing you say is purpose is more like a verb. And so if mm -hmm. we're constantly asking ourselves that question, you know, what's meaningful about what I'm doing right now or what, what's the purpose behind this particular activity, then we can always be checking in to see where we are. And let's just say sometimes we're in survival mode and we're, if we're thinking about purpose, we're more like the first bricklayer and other times we're not. And so it's just good to kind of notice where we are and flex and move and change. And if we don't want to stay where we are, we always have the ability to open our perspective. Yeah, I, I love your point there. I, I love that. And here's a, here's a practical example. Um, if I'm at home doing the dishes, and let's say that's not something I enjoy doing, um, if I'm not conscious of it, my answer to, you know, what is it about this work right now that is meaningful, important, or purposeful is nothing, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so somebody listening to this could say, well, what's the consequence to that? Well, the consequence to that could be that whatever is motivating me or not motivating me, 
ultimately has an, an, a, an unintended set of consequences, which might mean if I'm not conscious of how I'm thinking about how I'm approaching what I'm doing and how I'm purposing myself right now, then the model I'm going to set for my three young kids is that when we do certain things, we can do it with a shitty attitude. Yeah. And whereas if instead I say, well, wait a minute, what's important or purposeful around how I show up for first starting with myself, second for others who might see me, but ultimately even for the world. And then all of a sudden I realize, well, wait a minute, it's important that I realize what I'm doing is I'm bringing um, order and cleanliness into our home which is gonna affect everything else that happens. Mm -hmm. And it's and then now I'm just going level by level. So I'm just starting maybe with myself and I'm going to my kids. Well, it's important because I need to model for them that these tasks in life that might be unavoidable, that might on the surface not feel great, we can actually give a different meaning to them. And then I can approach it with a sense of joy or playfulness or gamify it or something. And then why is me doing the dishes right now important to the world? Well, because when I think about my biggest mission, Adair, and the biggest work that I need to do in my work and in my world and in my life, there's going to be things that I have to do when no one else is looking that I might not enjoy. And if I can't learn how to find joy in those moments, I might not make it through to the bigger opportunity. So I'm just making up right now out loud the conversation that could happen in my head, but it'll only happen if I'm willing to stop and kind of repurpose this tedious activity that you wouldn't normally think of bringing a lot of purpose to. Yeah, that's really great. It's just, we, and we can do that all day long in mm -hmm. everything and everything that we're doing. And instead of dreading things or dreading certain, like for me, there's like certain pockets of the day that I just kind of dread. And I know I'm not setting myself up for success. And this is a great practice for me to say like, you know, after five o'clock is generally not my favorite time of day. I'm just exhausted because I've been up since, you know, 4.30 generally. And I've, you know, I've had my, my fun moments of the day and done some of my work and interacted with my kids in the morning when that's like when I'm at my best. So this is good. I'm going to definitely uh, take this on in that five to eight o'clock frame when I'm, yeah, that's when my least purposeful self usually comes out. It makes sense. It makes sense. Well, good luck. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So let's go back to the, you sitting in the Cutco meeting and you had one side of the paper was your goals and the other side of the paper was purpose. Yeah. So yeah. I want to talk a little bit about purpose or about goals and how mm -hmm. purpose and goals align. Or we talked about, you know, the, the why being so big that the how doesn't matter. So let's, I just want to talk to you a little bit about goals. That's I've cool. Had a big shift in the way I approach goals. I've talked about it a ton on the show. I've told you about this, how I focus more on the energy of what I want to feel. Mm -hmm. And then I say yes to the things that feel like that. And I have a few, I'm looking over like to the side here on my wall, because I have a few things jotted down that I want to, you know, create in 2019. Um, but I also just keep things way more open because I also, I talked about this on the show yesterday goals can also be a limit that we put on ourselves because who are we to say, you know, like, Hey, this is what I want to go after in my life. But you know, the universe may have something way grander in mind. Yeah. And have you like, you know, put the cap on that anyway, all of that to say, I just want to get your perspective on goals. Cause it's something I talk about a lot and it's something that my listeners are really into. Yeah. Yeah. Really happy to share my perspective on this. So um, my, if I look at my life in um, stages uh, the, from, so if I look at the last 20 years, the first 10 years of my professional world, I was, I was really 
precise around goal setting. And I think that served a number of important benefits for me to get a decade in two or three different businesses where I had to be really precise because at one point, one of the businesses was several hundred million dollars and there's 600 people reporting to me. And it's like, I can't not be setting some really clear goals for myself and for others. I think it taught me the importance of learning how to imagine a future that I want and then to understand that I can, I can think of, of, of time in a very specific way where I can think, okay, what, what would I like to see happen a year from now? And learning how to really wrestle with how do I even answer that question? I think it's so valuable. It's just learning how to wrestle with that is important. And then working backwards saying, okay, if that's where I need to be a year from now, where do I need to be in six months? If that's the case, where do I need to be in 30 days? And if that's the case, what do I need to do this week? And if that's the case, what do I need to do tomorrow? And if that's the case, should I be on this podcast right now? Right? That, that thinking, I think we all need to learn to develop some version of sensitivity or awareness around the connection between this very present moment and what's it going to lead to. Now, the flip side of this is, um, and I, I can't sit here and say there's some intelligent you know, reason. It's just, it is what it is. But in the last 10 years, I've had a little bit less of an attachment to having these clear written goals. And I've shifted a little bit more towards um, having visions for the future. And uh, kind of like I just described around goals, uh, I've gotten to a point where for me, and this might be like a don't try this at home kind of thing. I don't know. But uh, like <laughs> I have visions for the future and I can, I can talk about these visions. And, um, and I constantly visit these visions. I visit them not just personally, but through conversations in our team. And, and we still have a few written goals and maybe we need to do a better job of that. But I've really gotten to a place where I really need to ask myself, what are the two or three most important questions for me to hold on to right now in order to make these visions not just possible, but maybe inevitable? Like, I, I didn't realize this till I just looked at the screen, but there's a sign on the wall right behind me, right? And the sign on the wall, I don't know if you could read it, but um, the sign on the wall is there because our team had had a number of meetings over a series of weeks and months where we were doing some goal setting and I was kind of resisting the goal setting Adair because I, I kept saying to myself, I, I understand why this is important, but there's only one question that matters in this whole conversation. And the question is, how is what we're doing helping our customers to be more successful? And as soon as I said that out loud, the whole team realized, oh, that's the one goal that all the others are pointing towards. So I'm a big fan of you know, questioning the questions we ask and asking, what are the two or three goals, if we want to call them that, that everything else rolls up to? In fact, I sat down with Scott, my partner last week, and I was really overwhelmed because I had four major projects on my plate. And if anybody can ever relate to this, if anyone's ever had a situation where you have three or four things that all feel important, but deep inside, you know that they, you can't make them all equally important. You have to make a decision. So I sat down with Scott and I said, Scott, I, I want to be inspired by this question. How can these four goals become one goal by the time we're done in the next 20 minutes? And that either means we delete or we merge so that in my mind, they feel like the same thing. And I learned that 15 years ago from a mentor who said, 
You should do everything in your power. You should fight to do everything in your power to make it so that you feel like everything in your life is pointing towards one goal versus having all these uh, fragmented separate goals that aren't necessarily working in harmony. By the end of that meeting, we went from seeing it as four major projects to two. We deleted one, we merged two of them. And that gave me, a, it, it released a lot of energy. So there you go. I told you, I don't know. I'm not really conventional on goal setting, but maybe this was helpful no, that's, for somebody. I like that. I'm not, I'm not either. And I keep, I keep talking about it and I keep saying the same words over and over again. So the listeners are probably tired of hearing my story about how I make choices based on energy. And I think you just gave that's them great. some new, new ways to think about it and ask questions. And then I love how you said merge them into as few things as possible. And if it could be one, wow, that's even better. Yeah. And you asked it earlier, like what's the role between purpose and goals? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think a purpose is, is, is a potentially, I think if we keep asking, like we're flexing a muscle and we keep asking, why do we do what we do? Why would we do what we do? The, uh, it, it might not be clear at first, but eventually we start to feel a sense of comfort around the, the answers that arise and and these can be personal or professional reasons. And, that, and those answers to why we're doing what we're doing, it becomes this transcendent thing that everything else point towards, points towards. It becomes like a compass. It's like a guiding light. It's like a North Star. So when I do keep asking that question, I do get closer to that sense of, well, here's why I think I'm doing everything I'm doing, at least in my present answer right now. Anytime I'm questioning, like uh, uh, I'm debating between multiple choices, I stop and say, which one of these better aligns with why my answer to why is all of this important. And sometimes I can immediately delete or just rethink of how I'm doing things so that it better fits that feeling of purpose. Yeah. I love that. And I feel like that just, that makes it have so much more energy when it's, you know, what I've seen so much is people just arbitrarily set goals because they're asked mm. to set goals. And so they just pluck goals out of the sky and think that they should want to do something. And then their level of success is like, I mean, they probably would have the same amount of success if they didn't set any goals. Um, I, I can't believe I'm even saying that because I'm like the person who's like, you know, you got to have some intentions, you got to have some goals. But I do yeah. think sometimes it's just, it's literally like a wasted activity if you're not thinking about purpose behind it. And at, like you said, asking yourselves those questions around why and merging all those together in your own alignment. And yeah, isn't it, it true that what is like, easiest and most natural is really where we're destined to spend our most time. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Well, something you said a second ago that I've wanted to respond to is um, uh, when, we, when we're thinking about setting goals, you know, in, in our work that we do that you're a big part of now, we're often inviting large groups of people to set shared goals together. Although sometimes it's individual goals within that large group. And one of the things that we've learned is that words matter, language matters, words create worlds, whole universes are unlocked just by switching one word. And one of the most classic examples in the area of goal setting is, uh, and this is very common, we'll be working with somebody or a team and, and their starting question might be something like, what does success look like? a year from now. And there's nothing wrong with that question. That could be a great question that it could unlock lots of possibilities. And what we'll share with that particular client or team is we'll, we'll share with them a, another way of asking that question. And then we'll ask them to notice what's different and how the answers that show up are different by changing one word. And the example would be, I could ask, 
what would success look like a year from now? And I'll get one very specific set of answers that'll eventually show up. I could also ask, what would success look like that I would be most proud of? And all of a sudden, it might change things because when I ask myself what I'd be most proud of, I might stop and, and factor into that. Am I, am I doing it in a way that aligns with certain values? Am I doing it without sacrificing other areas of my life, whether it's my family or my health or anything else? Um, and, and that's just one tweak to one word. But if we really think about how we invite ourselves to imagine the future we most want, if we invite ourselves to imagine the future that, that when we look back on, you know, there's different ways to approach it. We'll have the fewest regrets or we'll be the most proud of, or what's the future that would be the most fulfilling and give us the greatest sense of wholeness in our lives. And for a lot of people, when they initially ask themselves, what could success look like uh, with the best of intentions, they might not answer that while honoring every other area of their lives. Yeah. And I think, you know, the word whole, the root of it, hailed, I think it's a Greek word. I think it means to be healthy. And so I would just encourage anybody when they think about their future, whether they're thinking about personal or professional goals or whatever it is, um, to only do it in the context of how do you want your whole life to look and feel? Because uh, there could be something that is missing or feels missing. We might not even know what it is. And it could just be because we set goals, but deep down inside our, our unconscious or some little voice knows that we haven't actually thought through, well, how do we want all these other areas to, to also grow at the same time? Yeah. Oh, I really like that. Awesome. Okay. So will you just touch on the, the piece that I asked about feeling natural and easy? Cause that's something I've talked a lot about on the show is I think oftentimes we feel like kind of going back to your success question that this has to be hard and we have to drive towards it. And I feel like that's just how we're set up and taught in school is you have to, you know, push really hard and make things happen. And I think what I'm learning is whenever I look back at my life, I can see the thread that's gone through the mm. whole of my life. And it's really where I feel most natural and most alive is mm. the work that I'm most aligned with. So I don't know, what are your, this will be your last question. What are your parting thoughts on this? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> well, I, I love where, where, what you just shared and where that ended, because um, I think that very question uh, that very, very question that you just finished has been one of the most important for me personally. And I think it's one of the most important for us to ask uh, in all different settings, which is um, what is it that causes us to be at our very best? What is it that brings us alive? And I think for someone to, to take away something practical from this, we can all ask ourselves, well, when have I been at my very best? And, and we can ask that question generally. We can also ask it specifically. When have I been at my best as a husband? When have I been at my best in sales? When it, and what I can do is I can then invite, I can have the patience to invite moments, exact experiences. And then I can ask the follow-on question, which is what did I do that helped to contribute? Or what did others do to contribute to these moments when I or we were at our very best? Because at the end of the day, that's probably what we want to create more of is these moments when we're at our very best. And there's another derivative to this question, which is really just, hey, no matter what changes in my life, what are the things, who are the people, what are the opportunities that I value and cherish so much so that I wanna make sure I nurture, protect, and preserve these things, right? Because these are the things that give me energy now. Even in the face of obstacles and challenge, there are things that are going well that are life-giving. And of course, we already talked about future-focused questions. And, uh, my hope is that your listeners would consider that 
looking ahead to the future, you know, standing in the texture of the present moment is not something that should be considered like a, an event or a thing I do once a year. Uh, I, I always chuckle a little bit at the, at the whole New Year's resolution thing. I mean, I understand it, uh, but I, I can't remember setting a resolution going back 20 years because it's like I, I have somehow I've been lucky that I had mentors that encouraged me to look at every day that my eyes open. I should be I should imagine it's like I'm setting a, res, a resolution for the future. So these are all life-giving questions that are we started this very conversation talking about nature and um, you may have talked about this on your show that uh, I believe if you look outside, you can learn everything by seeing everything grows towards the sun, right? We grow towards I did that. a whole we, episode on that. Oh, like, that's cool. There you go. Effect. Yeah. The heliotropic effect. There you go. Yeah. So all of these questions and especially asking ourselves what invites me to come alive are life-giving questions. So keep asking them. That's so great. Well, John, thanks for being on the show today and providing so much wisdom and also some great questions and tips for our listeners who want to explore more around purpose and their goals. Thanks, Adair. I love seeing what you're doing. Congrats on everything. And uh, looking forward to seeing you rock it out at the GoBundance Women's event. Yeah, it's going to be coming up soon. There's going to be, I'm sure, several episodes, uh, listeners, that you're going to hear about from that fun event. All right. Thanks again, John. Cheers. Uh, Oh. Thanks for listening to the show today. And if there were some insights or inspirations that you got on the topic of purpose and goals, then you should really consider joining the Summer School of You seven-week group coaching program that I'm starting at the end of June and running through the month of July. I have about four or five spots left in that program. And if you're looking to really step out of hiding and come into your power and have the courage and the confidence that you've been digging deep for to go for your goals and to live out your why in a more meaningful way, then this program will be an awesome experience for you and create transformation in your life. And in the summertime, when it feels like nothing is happening, you're going to be sparking off like the fireworks of the 4th of July. So there you have it. I would love to have you be part of the program. And if you have any questions about what to expect, you can shoot me an email at adair at firstleadyou.com. And if you're ready to sign up, you can go straight to my website, firstleadyou.com. And under the individuals tab, scroll down to the Suburb School of You and you can sign up right there. That's a wrap for this episode of The Morning Light Show. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe and share with your loved ones. And for more insights and inspiration, check out my website at firstleadyou.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you next time.